Listener Production. What's better than an all-day breakfast? Maybe we can have a long lunch. I would love a nice long lunch. I'll take a long lunch. This is Matt and Alex's Long Lunch. Hello there, Matt and Alex here with something we haven't done for a while, a long lunch where we sit down and have a long chat with a guest and we couldn't not put up this entire chat with Australian comedian, presenter, a voiceover artist, author Simon Kennedy, who uh, amongst all of his achievements also has a really personal connection to the events of today, 20 years ago, September 11th, uh, which... Obviously, uh, memorials happening everywhere, Matt, and uh, today we thought it would be really interesting to have put up the entire discussion with Simon because I think, as we mentioned yesterday, it was a really, really interesting and eye-opening chat for someone who was touched personally by events which are so saturating that you it, it's often easy to become desensitised to the imagery or the discussion around the, such a topic. Well, that's it. And, you know, it's something that you touched on as well yesterday in that it's incredible that after 20 years and so many opinions and, and stories and videos, etc., you can actually hear from someone who knows it better mm. than anyone else and, uh, and can share so openly and honestly their experiences. So we thank Simon again uh, for being so kind with his time and, uh, and, and, and being so open and honest about something that's obviously still very devastating to him. That's it. So uh, here it is on All Day Breakfast, a long lunch with Simon Kennedy. Well, Alex Dyson, our next guest is someone who I first had the pleasure of working with approximately uh, 14 years ago now. I remember getting the opportunity, moving down to Sydney and being able to work with some of the the big dogs of the scene, the comedy scene, you know, and this uh, next gentleman was one of them. And he's someone who I've worked with plenty of times since then and also bumped into recently at my local supermarket. Uh, so I thought it would be great to get him on the show and have a chat with Simon Kennedy. G'day. Hello, boys. How are you? So good, man. Uh, that's a, quite a funny intro because you got you might know you from your appearances on the Channel 7 Morning Show, The Project, Channel 9, Studio 10. You've been at Nova Triple M, Today FM Network, or you may know him as Matt from The Shops. It is yeah, Simon Coles, Kennedy. Coles Broadway. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it was one of, those things, one, of those, one of those classic bump-ins where you 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 bump into each other at the in the fruit and veg section and then just continuously bump into each other as you end up in the free. Freezer section. Yeah. Were you doing the aisles oh, like yeah, the ABC yeah. logo, sort of back and forth and back and forth? Right. But it is awkward after you've said goodbye already and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, okay, there we go. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but Simon, look, we wanted to, uh, yeah, wanted to, we're thank, we wanted to thank you for joining us on today's show. Today is uh, September 11, 2021. It's been 20 years since um, a really memorable and devastating and terrible incident that took place in the United States. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we're really thankful for you to join us uh, and be a part of this show because it's a, a day and an event that really touched your life quite personally. Um, so many of us knew, can remember where we were when we first heard of the incident. Can you tell us where you were and, and what happened when you found out what had gone on in the States? Yeah, mate. Um, so I was living in Sydney um, with my girlfriend, uh, who is who's now my wife, and um, I'd gone to bed. So, I mean, the thing is everyone should remember is that, you know, September 11 happens here before it happens anywhere else, right? And um, for us it was a very normal day and I went to bed. I'd been out drinking with some, some mates and, yeah, my brother rang me from London. He was living in London where it was morning, of course, and they had the TVs on 
at his work and he rang me, um, which was unusual. I didn't ring a lot, but so he rang and said, look, um, this is going on. This is on the news right now here. It's happening in the States. There's planes hitting buildings. And I just thought I should check and see where mum is because he knew she was in the US on holidays and um, she'd gone over there on a, a retirement trip. So that was what started the, the process of let's have a look into this. And, uh, yeah, and going to her itinerary, which she'd left with me, was something she always did, um, I sort of started to work out what day it was, where she should be, and I said to my brother, she's supposed to be getting on a, on a plane um, from Dulles in Washington, Dullus International Airport, uh, Flight 77, American Airlines Flight 77, and he said, I think that is one of them, and it was. It was the one that uh, went to the Pentagon, Simon, and it must be it must be very difficult to put into words how you felt in that moment. So many things running through your head, the world's eyes on it. Can you take us back to figuring out what you tr- had to try and do? Because there's very little you can do from a different country. Did you what what did you feel like in in that moment? Yeah, look, and, and remember this was 20 years ago. Mm. So we're in the, we were in the age of dial-up internet, right? So, um, so it was all phone calls. Mm-hmm. It was all phone calls. And my my girlfriend and I, we were trying uh, desperately. We were calling American Airlines. We were calling the hotel she was supposed to be staying at or checking out of that day. Um, constantly put on hold. Like there were times when we were on hold for a couple of hours or so, and you know, and then you get put through to someone who can't help you and. You know, no one knew what the hell was going on. It was a long process of, I guess we were just trying to eliminate all of the, mm. all the things that might might give a bit of chance that she didn't get on that plane, all the, all the options that might have been there. Because there are lots of stories of people changing plans at the last minute. There was um, so many different ways that people managed to, you know, somehow avoid avoid the, the worst of it. So um yeah you you until you get confirmation you would be holding out that hope. Yeah, and I mean that, and that is life of course. You know, people do things, people change plans, people miss flights and all that sort of stuff. Um I guess all those all those what ifs became very significant on that day for those folks. Um unfortunately, you know, and my mum was not one to miss a plane. She would be there very early like you know. <laughs> The day Parents and planes, eh? they yeah. love getting there you know, three hours was, early. <laughs> it was that was it, and you know she was she was uh, an efficient lady like that, and um, you know what it was it was going to happen. I mean that that flight was the one that they were going to going to take down. So and Mum wasn't going to miss the flight, so she was she was always going to be on it, and it was always going to happen. Mm. So Simon, fast forward to. I mean, once you've sort of you've found out this devastating news and, and been able to process it, like Alex said, the world's eyes are on this event, mm. and everyone's sort of got an opinion. And I've and I've read just just through purely reading, you know, articles that you see on various media sites, Atlantic or whatever, um, and they'll talk to people who are connected to those that were lost in that incident, and everyone has a different way of processing the grief not just in the aftermath, but in the years to come. And one particular article I saw was about a, you know, the, the, a father who has become really obsessed 
with the politics around the event and everyone's opinion on whether it was a conspiracy, et cetera, and all this sort of stuff, right? How did you process the grief and the trauma from that? And politically, how did you take it all on board? Yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot to unpack in that question. But, yeah, um, I absolutely um, uh, I put my foot in many of those pools. Now, for me, I, I process the grief by trying to make it as normal as possible for us as a family. So we'd lost our dad when I was a kid. Um, so we, we did know how you know, hard that could be um, grief-wise. And, um, and I'd been working in the media as well. I'd been working in radio um, so I kind of knew what kind of beast the media was and I thought this is not something that we want to um, let in, um, not not now, not while we're as a family, not while we're trying to get our head around this, trying to process the the pain of, of this, of losing mum and, and losing her like this. So to grieve, we, we kept it all very in-house. I mean, our friends knew and um, but I didn't, I didn't really broadcast it um, literally or, you know, figuratively speaking, I kept it kind of quiet. I mean, if, if it got to a point where a conversation would, would get there and I felt the person, I knew them well enough to, to tell them, then, then I would um, just to make things not weird for them. But, um, and, 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 and yeah, that was how I did the, that's how I did the grief by trying to make it normal and quiet. And I also then kept away from watching news about it mm. um, I just there was a point a day or two where I just went nah no more TV's off no more I, I mean I could I mean even though mum wasn't in the one of the planes that hit the towers that footage that just kept running over and over and over again and, and it's popping up again now at 20 years I keep away from it because it's horrible the amount of replays and I think I guess 2001 is when a lot of that the 24-hour cable news was beginning to go but even then all TV schedules were put out and that rolling coverage and the constant replays and the different angles it must have been so so difficult as you say it wasn't wasn't particular the particular um footage that included your mother but it must have been absolutely impossible to get away from. Inescapable, I guess. Yeah, and and I worked hard to 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 keep away from it, and I was grateful that there wasn't footage, you know, to keep showing of the Pentagon crash. I was lucky mm. in that sense, um, and I was thinking about it today, thinking that, um, you know, if there's a a car crash, um, you know, that was caught on on camera, you know, where a bunch of kids died in a car crash. They wouldn't show that on the news. Yeah. They wouldn't keep showing it on the news. However, when it's 3,000 people dying, then apparently that's okay. So I don't, I don't so know the weird, logic. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, it's difficult to pinpoint the logic. I guess the surreal nature of the footage, it does, it does, it's, it's, not, it's, it's something that no one has ever seen before and, you know, hopefully yeah. we've never seen since that surreal nature where it seems like it's, it's video footage that makes people not really understand the full context of, of exactly what's going on and these people whose, whose lives are ending at that particular point in time. It's just absolutely horrible. Yeah, I think it's just um, maybe 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 the media is amongst the, well, yeah, but history trumps anything else, so let's mm. do that. Um, but, you know, it is what it is, but I avoid it, and that's, mm -hmm. that's what I do. The, the politics around it, though, I mean, I you can't avoid politics, and, and I don't avoid politics. I'm, I've got opinions, and... Um, yeah, I, I found I could see, I could draw direct lines from from the day of September 11, 2001 
to so many things that were happening in society. Uh, so I felt um, well invested, well invested in things, things like the Cronulla riots. Um, I saw that and and I saw, you know, white guys saying, let's bash the brown guys. And I'm like, don't be doing that on my behalf. That, mm. That's not that's not what I'm about. Um, and I felt that that was, you know, I could not separate myself from what was going on there I, as much as I tried. Um, and uh, and even now, with the news coming out of Afghanistan, I can't, I can, you can't pull those two things apart, quite frankly. So um, so I have a um, strong opinion on you know on that, and uh, and you know my mother would have had a strong opinion on that. She was mm. a pretty worldly lady. Like she she worked with the Australian Red Cross for over thirty years. She was a staunch humanitarian who felt that doing the right thing by other human beings was more important than anything. So, so when I look at this stuff, I think, yeah, she'd have something to say. Oh, man, it's such a tangle having these people do something, whether it's, you know, a, a president declaring a war or two um, or, you know, a person making a bad decision down at a beach because they're angry and drunk, doing those things in your name at this global thing where it's such a personal attachment to you, that must be, um, yeah, super difficult to separate. Yeah, yeah, it is. And um, I guess uh, I, what I do is um, just say, well, those people aren't, you don't speak for me. You don't speak for me. I speak for myself and anyone. And that's why I, that's why I actually end up going public with my 9-11 <laughs> self. And that was in, uh, I think, 2009, I think it was, when um, Osama bin Laden was caught, captured and killed. Um, and there was so much uh, reaction to that. Um, so much reaction, a lot of like rejoicing almost. And I was like, look, I'm not comfortable with that style of um, of, of reaction. Uh, I think, and I was sick of other people um, saying what other family members would be feeling this right now. And I just got to a point where I'm like, yeah, bullshit. I will tell you what I'm feeling right now. I'll tell you how I see this situation. So I did. That's why That's why I sort of, um, yes, yeah, stepped out of the shadows there. So I know when I first heard about it from you that you were connected to this and this is actually, uh, we were at a comedy show one night and you were, we, were, we were discussing another comedian who had, you had told me a few years ago, had decided to tell a joke about it on stage and he knew that at the time that you were connected to it. But we're in the world of comedy, you know, and people and, and you know, we, we've sort of learned this whole time that you can make jokes about anything or whatever, right? Um, so many comedians will die on their grave saying, you know, I, sh I should be able to make jokes about whatever. Mm. How, how, talk us through that moment when that happened to you. And, and I mean, the, the, the millions of jokes and things that must have happened since, you know, when, when this huge event, everyone's got an opinion about it. Yeah, look, I mean that's that's the thing, and um, and I'm not um, I'm not naive. I mean, you know, when I was, I was in comedy for about two years before it happened. So, and and it was that 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 two year period where, you know, you you're either you're either an open micer or you're on the way up, you know. And uh, and I was on I was on the way up, I was starting to to do well, you know, and it was it was feeling good. And so I was I knew what I knew what was out there. I knew that if I was to walk back into a comedy club, I might hear something about it. Um, I was a bit surprised at how soon I started hearing things. And, and um, 
I learned to separate, I think, what was, you know, clever takes on on a global event that you couldn't ignore. And I knew that, I mean, there's no way that people aren't going to talk about it. Um, but I started to look at things and go, and my own comedy as well, and go, well, what what is the point of your joke there? Who is the victim of your joke? And that's what I, because I started seeing it as the son of a victim, mm. you know, literally speaking, started saying, well, that that hurts. Okay, that's rude. That's kind of, that's okay, that's smart and kind of clever. That's, you know, that's a very good take on things. And I started to separate those. Uh, and I still do. I Sometimes I see a joke and, you know, some comics will go hard just for reaction, you know, doing jokes, um, you know, just for the oh factor. Um, that never really lasts anyway. Um, mm. You've got to make a joke that that resonates more than that. And I, I some I've heard are great. Like Tommy Dean, as you, you guys would know, Tommy is a great comic. One of the, one of the, uh, the most insightful and clever comedians around. And I remember being in a room when Tommy was doing a bit, uh, which was about 9/11, and going back to the US um, as an American that he is. And it was a clever bit. It was a really it's a really smart bit because it was about the way the American psyche is and how they see things. But then he got off stage and he walked straight up to me and he's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I forgot you were in the room and then I got into the bit and I couldn't get pulled out of the bit. And I was like, it's fine. It, it's clever. It was a good bit. It wasn't upsetting. It wasn't offensive. Mm-hmm. It's cool. But on the other hand, I've been in the room. Um, you know, my first gig back was actually um, an ostentatious uh, booked room and he's you know for those who don't know who he is who he is might want to google him big in the 80s um pretty angry pretty angry guy i think um it's fair to say and um yeah he 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 was smashing out some crazy offensive stuff to me uh and that was in december of 2001 and i was like wow um i'm gonna have to get some thick skin Um, yeah goodness gracious so so then does, does the same apply for the conspiracies? Or do you believe any of the conspiracies or do you just hate them or what? We were talking on the podcast a little while ago, the, the protests, anti-lockdown protests, someone carrying a sign, 9-11 missing links just floating along in the middle of these right. protests, like that's, 20 that, years that's on. Being, that, yeah, but, the, but yeah, that, that's being included in, in discussions about vaccines and stuff like, do, does, that, does that frustrate you? Do you get... And don't be. I hope you're not offended by it. But do is there any? Do you get any kind of connection to it at all, or or, or you just push it away completely? What? Okay. Well, well I, I I've said this recently. I I honestly think that 5G vax, uh, Bill Gates um, conspiracy theories are often mixed with the same bong water as 9/11 conspiracy theories. They are nuts. Like. <laughs> I've had people on Twitter tell me that I am perpetuating the lie um, by, you know, and I've, I've had people tell me that that my mum isn't real, that, that she's a, that that's, was made that's up. That's what blows my mind, mm, man. Like this yeah. idea that people are, are crisis actors, that your mum mm. would be a crisis actor, and that's your mum, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if she was doing that, I'd really like her to call me and tell me more about it. <laughs> What's like, the, has like, there ever been, has anyone ev- ever anywhere, has, the, has there been a crisis actor for anything? Because I, 
I'm, I, I seem to think that these people, they must have seen evidence of it happening once and then extrapolate that to everywhere, but they just seem to make up this idea of a thing that doesn't exist and then say it exists at all of these different places. Yeah, I mean, I always, before any of this, I mean, my concept of a crisis act that would have been Stephen Seagal. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know... I don't know where they get this from, and it's, it's his such... ponytail is a crisis. That's the that's the only crisis he's <laughs> got there. Goodness, it's look. I mean, I also like conspiracy theories. Um, like when it comes to nine eleven, the 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 only conspiracies are in plain sight. You know, they're they're there. The, if you, and I don't even call them conspiracies. They're just um, conveniently manufactured events, such as the Iraq War, um, things like that. You know, I mean that that was you know, where a country conspired to do something, they use 9-11 as an excuse to do it. Mm. I mean, not really conspiracy theory. We all saw it. It was in plain sight. Um, I mean, right now um, there's a real push from 9-11 family members to release a lot of redacted information that um, information that the 9-11 um, uh, report um, couldn't reveal because the FBI and CIA didn't want it out there. Um, and uh, that there's no conspiracy except for the fact that they are constantly conspiring to keep the information uh, from the public. And, and that sort of stuff would involve um, who financed um, and assisted the hijackers, mm. which uh, that for me as a family member, I mean, if you want to look into conspiracies, just look in, to the stuff that's that's actually just being withheld from us there, and it's not far away, like it's it's within arm's reach. It's not you don't have to dig far. You don't have to go deep down, and think that someone's warehousing four planes uh, somewhere and pretending mm. that they don't exist. So, um, yeah, I honestly think that when when you come at a family member with a conspiracy theory and say, oh, "But you know, what about this man? What about this?" and there are comedians we know who do that like and once again bong water also uh, uh, always bong water plays a part um, yeah it's, it's always there um you can smell hat. it on their breaths as they <laughs> lean into the club lean into you at the club and scream over the audience <laughs> yeah it's true but i always say it's like it'd be like going into an oncology ward and walking up to the parents of a kid on chemo and saying you know cancer's not real like it's just well, really? do you know, when you were saying before about the jokes and stuff, like that's what I don't like um, princess died jokes. I just don't like it because my mom, I was 12 when my mum died and ha that's how old Prince Harry was. And no matter what you think of what happened in the tunnel and how it happened and blah, 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 I always think of Prince Harry being a kid, you know, like and, and then all this stuff being in the media and everything and I think, oh, gee, but that's just me. I'm not going to stop anyone from. I, I just, I just know how to step away from it. Do you know what? I, that, that's what I've done in that instance. But yeah, it yeah. made me think of that. Yeah, I, I kind of, um, I've evolved over the years as well. I mean, the older you get, I think, I hope, the more hum humanity you get. Um, I, um, I do look at jokes now. I'm like, yeah, is it clever? Like, real? Like, where's the, where's the craft work in that joke? And if I can't mm. find it, I'm like, I don't know. Like we all like to laugh at something dark. We do. Yeah. But, but there's a kind of a, yeah, there's a, there's a line. I don't know always where that line is. I'll, I'll be mm. honest with you. I don't know always where that line is. And I don't mind stuff that's a bit dark. But sometimes you look at it and you go, 
yeah, nah, sorry, nice work, but no. Yeah, mm. yeah for sure. Sometimes non-experts like to uh, tell you about their vaccine research and non-experts, it's knowing and finding where the line is and jokes uh, like to uh, say say some um, interesting things. Simon, I'm having this issue with right now with my daughter that, you know, she has grandparents that are still around and one that is not. And she's only two years old and it's very difficult for me to explain to her that she can see mum's mum, but she's never going to see dad's mum. And mm. it kind of gets me quite upset and, and, I, and I'm sort of trying to figure out or I'm preparing mentally for the moments that I'm going to have to sort of explain to her at all and, and, you know, and I don't know when she's really going to understand that my mum has died. She's never, ever going to meet her and all that. What yeah. was it like for you and your kids and, and you know, wh- how did that sort of explanation come about or... And what's their reaction to it all been? Yeah, see, my kids are now 13 and 11, so they're old enough to understand what's what happened, um, you know, in, in a in a in a any decent way. They 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 can um, they can process that the logic of what how that worked. Um, but I mean, one of the saddest things is that uh, my mum. I mean, my dad died when I was like 10, as well. So my mum. And, and dad are, are just almost uh, concepts to them, which is really sad. Um, I never got to know them. I talk about my mum. I'll talk about the kind of person she was and that sort of thing. So they'll get a sense of that, but it's sad they'll never know. Um, they have one grandparent left, my wife's mother, um, and, you know, and they adore her and, and uh, she adores them. But telling them, I didn't go out of my way to tell them what happened. Um they kind of asked my, my daughter particularly. She's very chatty, always been a real talker and a real inquisitive mind. And she asked me, and I remember when she asked me, and I'm like, well, I said, your grandmother died. She died. She said, how did she die? I said, in a plane crash. And I let her keep asking. Uh, and we got to the point where I said, yes, yeah, some people did it to hurt other people. And, and she, you know, that was the why, the what, what why. Mm. And I said, because... Um, there are some bad people in the world. And I say most people are good people, but sometimes they're bad people and they do bad things, but mostly good people. And, you know, because you don't want to put, make them scared uh, either. Mm. So it, it was a tricky one. It was a tricky one. I mm. mean, she's a really bright kid now. She's 13. She's one of, one of the smartest people I she know. Is. She, was, we, we, she was in the supermarket with you. I was blown away by how confident she is and you know when she said that she was acting as well it was like I could just see her being a star you know it's it's awesome yeah that's another thing my kids are more successful than I am but um (laughs) (laughs) yeah she was listing off a bunch of credits there Simon I have to admit and there I think there are a few more credits on her IMDP page than yours maybe (laughs) oh yeah sure (laughs) But tell us, how do do you, I guess you'd have experience then of young people, uh, how do they, um, how do they grasp the concept of a sort of lifetime determining event such as 9-11 where people, you know, know the context going through and experienced it, but now you need to tell kids how big it was around the world and all the things that shot off for it to the, to the, be the situation finally um, coming to some sort of a, a conclusion in Afghanistan recently. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, what's interesting about it is that I've actually been doing talks at schools as well for 
quite a few years uh, on resilience and recovery and that sort of thing. Um, and you know, it's been it's been great, you know, um, and especially young men who need a bit of guidance um, in in this world, a confusing life that it is being a man. But um, I um, I've noticed that now I've been talking to kids for almost ten years or so, ten years on on the whole topic of this, that they've stopped. I've got to the point where the, the kids that I'm talking to weren't born. Um, that's where I'm at now. It's just got to that point. Uh, they weren't born at all. And it's like someone coming to me maybe in high school and wanting to talk about the Vietnam War, I guess, um, where I'm like, oh, that, well, yeah, I've, I remember, I've heard about it. <laughs> yeah. I've watched yeah. Forrest Gump. Yep, I know all about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've, heard, I've seen a movie, you know. So it's like that. Um, mm. But I think um, one thing that trumps that um, is the human context is is what is more important than the historical context. And um, and so when I talk to people, um, I th- I think I give enough of myself that they they know it's not an act that they're getting. And I um, I, I tell them I tell them my, my my story. I tell them my loss. I tell them my 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 reality or whatever. Mm. And uh, that that sort of transcends. And then I think that helps them to to understand what that event was, you know, he just times my story by 3000, you know. Mm. Well, mm. I tell you what, you've written a really interesting uh, account of it. It is called 9-11 and the Art of Happiness, an Australian story, Simon Kennedy. Uh, that is a book that uh, came out a little while ago now, but is available to have a read through if you've found this chat as interesting as we have. But some something as massive as this as well, Simon, can overshadow um, the person that your mother, Yvonne, was can you can you tell us a little bit more about Avon the person because this small co- tragic coincidence of where she ended up on that horrific day uh, does not define her lifetime. So can you tell us a little bit about it before we do let you go? I, she was awesome. She was really awesome. She brought up two young boys into into young men by herself after her husband died when she was about forty two. So she was heartbroken to lose dad. Uh, and I thought, you know, it was we were going to lose her to the grief, but she was strong and she pulled herself out of it um, and continued to to give of herself to the Australian Red Cross and to the community. And um, she was she was everywhere and and would always put herself right in in the thick of it. Um, she was that kind of person. She was and she was hilarious. She was funny. Claims that any bit of talent I got came from her. Um, she would always, always tell everyone that. And um, yeah, she was the best. And um, I mean, we we miss her so so much. And uh, but her, you know, her her legacy is that I think I try and be a better person now and try and tell people, you know, how how you can how you can get past the worst in life and, and still not be an asshole. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Well, Simon, look, we thank you so much. And I really, truly mean that for being so open and generous in this chat. It, it means so much to us that you've wanted to come on and, and chat to us about it. Uh, and for our listeners to have heard that your experiences and, and, you know, and your connection to this incredible and devastating event. It's just, it's awesome. So thank you very much for that. And yeah, please do, if you're listening and you want to know more and you absolutely should check out uh, 9-11 and the Art of Happiness by Simon Kennedy, an Australian story. Simon, thank you again and we'll catch you next time. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, guys. Keep up the good work. Appreciate it, man. We'll see you later. Yeah. List 
listener.